0: Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, how I many knows we've got so much to praise Him for? Amen. We've got so much to praise Him for. He's been so good to all of us. Amen. We've all been through those times to where you look around and think, wow, can it get any worse? Next day it does, or before five it does. But no matter where you are, you can always look around and find things to praise Him for. Right. All of His goodness and all of His mercy. Praise the Lord. It's an honor for us to be together tonight, isn't it? <clears throat> in the house of the Lord. I'm really happy tonight. Um, Lysia is here in service with us. She's not in the sanctuary, but she's sitting in my office, but that's the closest she's been in a long time. So. <clears throat> Amen. We're happy for that. I want to say before we read the word tonight and pray, we certainly appreciate all of you that's been praying for Erica. She's still in the hospital. And uh, I didn't realize Sunday, whenever I mentioned the blood type that Erica had, that we was fixing to have a blood explosion. Before I even read the text, people was in the foyer, texting and Carol, that they had the same blood type. So people have already donated blood, people waiting in line to donate blood. I was contacted from Arizona, people from North Carolina, people from Africa, people from Iowa, people from all over everywhere wanting to give blood. The Lord. The Lord. That's, Lord. that's the bride. Yes, that's the bride. Yes, that's the bride. Amen. And we so appreciate that. And for those of you that don't have the same blood type, you have the same family type. Amen. So well, you couldn't give blood, but you've been given prayer. Yes, and for that, we thank you for it. Her numbers are looking better. They've already just completed another uh, bag of platelets. I'm going to give her another one tonight. And their numbers are coming up. They bring one thing up, another thing goes down, bring it up. But we're believing they're all going to come up and stay up. And uh, Lance sent me a big, uh, beautiful, beautiful picture this morning that he had taken over and she's sitting up in the bed with a big smile on her face, eating pals, gravy and biscuits. (laughs) So we're so happy. We just wanted to thank you all so much for all that you've done. Let's uh, turn tonight, if you would, to the book of Nehemiah chapter eight. <clears throat> I was telling Brother J.D. before I came out tonight, I've just kind of purposed it in my heart in the last few days of being at the emergency room and being in the hospital I've been reading about how many of the uh, people on the front lines of dealing with this COVID, nurses, doctors, all that sort of thing, have been dealing with such depression, sadness and things like that. So I thought, you know, I'm just gonna tell a few people how much I appreciate them. And let me share with you how far gone our world is. I started telling nurses and doctors and janitors. I even told a lady that checked me out at Kroger. And uh, the response that I've got from so many people, it has just made me feel so sad. Because when you stop them and say, ma'am, thank you so much for your service during these difficult times. And they look at you like you're from another planet. I want you to think, sadness, how sad it is that kindness is so weird and so strange in the world we're living in that people don't know how to take it. I stepped into an office today at the hospital and spoke to a nurse manager, which was over the entire second floor of Franklin Woods. Her door was open, I knocked on the door. I said, ma'am, she said, yes. Kind of alarmed her, you know. I said, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate your service during these hard, difficult times. She said, I so needed that. She said, "I, I so needed that. I think, really? We're, we're, that, we're that cold. Are we that hard, children? Let's not be that way. Let's spread a little kindness. Let's spread a little bit of love. And what I found amazing was, I've not been telling the same people, but as I went out today, a lady that I spoke to, she said, you're still here. And I thought, now if I hadn't told her something good, she wouldn't even know me probably. <laughs> but look how I stood out to her of all the hundreds of people she's seen since yesterday, and she was one of them that was mesmerized, she didn't even know what to say. She just sat there behind the desk for a matter of seconds and just with this look on her face and she finally got it out. Thank you so much. I'll tell you what we need, the coming of the Lord. Our world is so full of complaining, griping, growling, fussing, arguing, debating, even among church people. That kindness, it overwhelms people. Well, you say we start overwhelming a few. Amen. Let our light so shine. Amen. Let them see there's something different about us. Let us not just be known as the skirt church, but let us be known as the nice people church, the kindness people church. Wouldn't that be an awesome attribute to be identified with? Praise God. Let's read together. Now what we're going to read tonight, I'm going to talk about, that's what it produces. It creates an atmosphere. I think we live in it so much that we don't realize how blessed we are. Carol, Erica's belly, was stomach was hurting her today and I got her a drink of water and I'm uh, sitting there with her in the hospital and I said, I'm going to pray for you, honey. I went over and laid my hands on her and I heard the door open uh, but I was talking to somebody more important than whoever was at the door, so I just continued to pray. Whenever I stopped praying, and I looked, and there was a woman standing there with a tray, Erica's lunch, in her hands. Tears streaming down her face. She said, that is the most beautiful prayer I have ever heard. So it couldn't have been three, four seconds, no more than that. So she got the train and said, Anything I can do for y'all? You know, just like she went all to pieces. And Erica looked at me and said, What was that all about? I said, It might have been the first time she ever felt his presence. Think how blessed you are. You have his presence every day. It was like she walked into this. I said, Honey, we have an aura about us that is not us. It's the Lord Jesus. I appreciate it, don't you? Thank God. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that Taught the people, said unto the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be you sorry for the joy of the Lord. How many believes it? Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I mean like to be remembered tonight as we pray. If I can, I'd like to add one more request for you to pray for. Carol was sitting with Eric in the emergency room the other day, waiting on a bed and uh, some type of bug bit her on the leg and it started swelling up and she went to a clinic today and they told her that she had cellulitis and they give her a, a script for it. So we just, if you would, just join together with us tonight and pray for that, that God move Ain't it something? You try to do good and the devil just sticks his head up everywhere. Yeah. I know some of y'all saying, Lord, have mercy. Everybody in his family is sick. I'm not sure if I want to come to church here. Well, that's up to you, but we pray for one another, don't we? Yes. That's right. How many has a need, a request on your heart tonight? Heavenly Father, it is with great joy that we approach you tonight. We're so thankful for what you've done for us, Lord. We thank you, dear God. Alicia being able to be in church with us tonight, Lord. Been several, several, several weeks since she's been able to be here. We thank you. Lord, she's going to our doctor on Friday just to see how she's doing. Then starting some therapy on Monday for this dizziness that she's dealing with. And we're believing you, Lord, that you're gonna move for. Give her a complete deliverance. I was thinking about it the other day as I heard that song that she does such a beautiful job on. I was the reason, I listened to a person sing it and I thought, oh how I long for the day that Lish can stand there again, Amen. anointed by the Holy Ghost and sing that song. Amen. We believe it Lord, it's going to happen. Yes, sir. Father we thank you for your grace and your kindness. We thank you Lord for being with Erica, thank you for moving forward, we're just believing you for a complete deliverance. Now, Lord, we add Carol to that list tonight. You see this that's happened to her leg, Father. And we're just believing you that you're going to move. Lord, there were so many hands that were uplifted, signifying a need. Lord God, you know all of them. You know the text and, and the emails that I've got, Father, with prayer requests. Brother Bobby Hayton's mother, you see, Lord, her, her need. And Lord, so many, Father, that's dealing with so many things. But we bring them before you. We're not discouraged tonight, Lord. We're encouraged because we see your greatness among us. And we're so thankful. We pray that you'd speak to us once again from your word. We have many needs and we bring them before you tonight knowing that you're mindful of them. In the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you saints. You may be seated. I'm not going to stand here tonight and tell you that it's always easy to have a smile on your face. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that it's always easy to have a great bubbling fountain of joy that is coming out of you when things are going hard. I'm not going to stand and proclaim to you that you're not a Christian or you're a hypocrite whenever things are difficult, when death will strike your home. Or sickness will come. Most of us have had spells and bouts of sickness. And you know if you get hit today and you're feeling better by 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It don't rob you of too much joy. But for those people that have dealt with ongoing things. I think of Brother Eugene Kennedy. And how long our brother and his wife has dealt with this situation in their home. 14 years. 14 years. Got no answers from the doctors. No answers from here and there and there. I guarantee you they would tell us tonight it's not always been easy to have joy. It's not always been easy to be able to smile and say all things are working together for our good. Many of you have dealt with prolonged sickness and illness or things that just seem like there was no let up at all in your life whether it was physical or whether it was mental psychological maybe somebody you're dealing with on your job and the more you pray for them the meaner they get and the more you pray for them the more they seem like they dislike you and it seems that it gets worse and worse and worse It's hard during those times for joy to be written all over us. It's hard for us every moment of the day to be able to express it. Whenever we're thinking, where is the money going to come from to pay our bills? How is this going to happen and how is that going to happen? And I, I think sometimes that we judge our joy And we look at the resource of our joy from being from without rather than coming from within. If we wait and we determine how much joy that we will have in life by things going good. And by answered prayers coming in the way that we think they should be. And somebody gets sick, we pray for them. They immediately get well. And then we say, oh, I'm so happy today. I've got so much joy because this happened and that happened. And the doctor told me that they thought this was going to be this in certain, certain way. But instead, it turned out better than what they thought. Boy, I'm so happy today. But what if it was worse than what the doctor said? Or what if that circumstance that you were told by your boss is going to change and it's going to be better and next week everything is going to completely turn around and it did to your disadvantage. Then it's a little more difficult. Am am I just preaching to Donnie tonight? Okay, I, I just want to make sure because I'll just save you all this time and I'll go back there and preach to myself if this ain't for you all. Okay, it's for you too. Okay. All right. Anybody else? One more. One more. Two, three, four. Who? Give me 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, and a 60, and 100. All right. I'll go ahead then. So it's so hard for us to be able to express this kind of deep, deep wellspring joy. Unless, of course, there's a resource that's beyond us. Now, the, the Old Testament conveys. Uh, certainly a great perspective about joy. But let's be honest that for many of the Old Testament people, now listen to me close so you won't misunderstand me, there was only really a select few that ever was allowed to have such a deep walk and experience with God. The modern, you know, uh, of that day Israelite, Whenever they would read of the Psalms of David, and when they would read about Samuel, and even though they may have lived in that same time frame, most of the Israeli people could not identify with the joy, the experience, the exuberance, the excitement, and all that David talked about. The average Jew could not relate to it. Because it was just a very few small select group of people that God actually allowed in the Old Testament to know Him in this intimate way. See how blessed you are? Aren't you glad it ain't so today that only the preachers and the prophet and say, you know, certain ones uh, can have a, a close walk with God? Aren't you glad a housewife or a farmer or a painter or a factory worker? I'm so glad. Oh, we know that God calls people for special gifts and so on. I and mean, we know none of us will ever have the walk with God that Brother Branham had. We know that. And there's certain ones that God calls, but I'm so glad that in the new dispensation of the gospel that it's not so that one out of a million would talk about joy and the rest of that that great number of people would say I really don't know what you're talking about I love God and I I want to serve Him but I really cannot relate to that experience but the more you read of the Old Testament and you see from the shadows and the types, and you see that there was one here and one there and another one over here and they would write about such joy, and they would talk about how God met with them, and they were really one in a million, and they must have been so, oh my, so coveted by the people to have that walk, and yet the real truth of it was that the majority of the people never had it. So, you know, when you look at that, then you bring that same thing over into the New Testament and you realize that what law was to the Old Testament, grace comes and magnifies it in the New. So the bride is the answering to that and a type from the Old Testament that God calls the bride into this special intimate place. And those of you that are familiar uh, with the four Gospels and you know that St. John 17 is actually the longest prayer in the New Testament. And it is definitely the longest prayer of the Lord Jesus. And it is the prayer of the high priest Now he's not yet fully entered into the deified glorified position of of high priest but he's already now entered into the spot where he said Father now my work is finished and I'm coming to you so he's praying as if though he has already entered into that spot and he's not praying for the world out here. He's not praying even for the church natural but he's praying for those of the intimate circle which are and those which are to come so he gives us an insight into a special wall that certain people even under the title of Christendom will have others will look at it they'll be around it but they'll never really experience it and I'm talking about the bride and the church natural Whenever he prayed this and said this to the disciples, they must have been so alarmed. And they certainly needed some things to help them. Because the Lord Jesus has given them a twofold message in that he's told them he's fixing to leave. Now in chapter 15, he leads up to chapter 16. He tells them that one is going to betray him. And he tells them that they're all going to just turn away from him. So they're very, very saddened by this. And this is why Jesus, of course, leads up to it in St. John 14. And he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now he's telling them that because he's just been leading up to some very sad things of what's fixing to transpire. But when he comes to St. John 17, he begins to pray this high priest prayer. Remember, Judas had... Has left the room. So the Lord Jesus is now dealing with the elect. Whenever Paul was able to experience this, it was very similar. Now, when we read about, and let's turn now if you would, in Psalm 1611, and we'll see one of those in the Old Testament that was allowed to experience God in a very, very special way. Now remember there were a few, Meginos, Asaph, and a few that actually wrote part of the Psalms and were identified with the Psalmist David. But they were ones that David would address certain Psalms to. And he would say, to Meginos, or to Asaph, or to this one, or to that one. When you really study the background, you realize that these were musicians and they were singers. So David would get this inspiration from God and then he would send this to them and they were very talented men, no doubt, and very gifted men. So they were able to enter in under the auspices of David's anointing unable to experience something that probably as we'd say the laity sitting there and they heard them singing my must have been such beautiful music to their ears but they really didn't have quite the same experience but David whenever he entered into it he becomes so personified in the inspiration That whenever he would say things prophetically, Psalms 22, for example, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All my bones, they stare at me, they pierce my hands and my feet. And the people that would read this, they'd say, is the man talking about himself? Or who is he talking about? And it was like the personal anointing of Christ himself would get on specific men in the Old Testament and it's like Christ would project prophetically out of their mouth what was going to happen and they must have wondered and marveled and said, what was that even about? What did I say? I don't even know. And others would look at them and almost with an envy saying, oh, I would to God. I would to God that I could feel that way. I would to God that I could experience that. But because it was so limited, there was no breaking of the blood cell to be able to sanctify the mass of the people to bring them into that place of fellowship. So God would pick one and then another and then another and then another. And they were privileged by God to experience great things. Now he was shouting for some of them. It was joy for others. It was uh, victories and battles. And some of them were great commanders in the, in the army of Israel. And, and God would disperse it according to the government and according to songs and so on. But David was one that was able to cover a pretty broad spectrum. David was a great king. We know that. But he also was able to enter into a an an element of prophetic realm. And actually Brother Bram called him a prophet. And the Bible does as well. So David was a prophet king. So he was able to be a great conqueror. And we know about him from a boy that he fought great battles. And that through his seed would come Christ, of course, and out of the tribe of Judah. But he also was able to enter into the music realm of God and catch inspiration. And he was a psalmist, but he was also a musician. And he was one that was so anointed that whenever he would play, evil spirits would leave people while he was playing. Now that's an anointed musician. Now, there's great musicians in the world that no doubt are better musicians as far as it would be than some of our brothers here in the church. And they might put them to shame as far as being able to read music and do this and that and the other. But that don't mean demons leave folks when they play. They're just really good and they're professional. Myself, I'd rather be anointed by the Spirit of God and the demon of sadness and all that sort of thing would leave the saints of God than be an pianist or whatever it was, and demons basically laughed at you, right. right? So God then used certain ones like that, and David was one of them, that David was able to experience such joy. Now this is what we we'll are reading about here in Psalm 1611. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Now here David had broke into by experience because none of the rest of the Old Testament writers wrote about it in this way. So David had been allowed to come into the presence of God. He experienced joy by no doubt having a fulfillment of a lot of things in his life. He was able to take Jerusalem from the Jebusites and be able to build a little addition down the south side there of it and I should call it the city of David. He was able to see great accomplishments in his life. But then he also experienced sadness and terrible times experienced all kinds of death, all kinds of sadness and and sorrow but he realized that there was a joy that was beyond the natural joys of life and he called it the fullness of joy in thy presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now this is a man again that is not just a theologian that is writing something that he believes it's that way well I believe there's joy forevermore I believe there's great blessings in your hand now you can tell by this man he's actually been in that There's a great difference in a preacher preaching something that he don't really believe and he don't really understand and a difference between a singer singing something that he don't really understand or don't really believe. And it's the same way with a man that writes about all the great things of God, the great things of God, than a person who's experienced the great things of God. Notice again that David said in Psalms 30 and five, for his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Now again, this is a man that has been this way with God. No doubt David had wept many, many nights. He was chased by his king Saul. His wife was taken from him and given to another man then Saul chases him like a dog. He runs him from one place to another to another, but David had experienced, no doubt, many nights that he wept and cried and wondered why God, why me? How come? I don't understand. What have I done? What have I done? But David also experienced the joyful times in the morning. How many's been there? Aren't you grateful for the morning times when the joy comes? Notice this, and psalms 32 11 be glad in the lord and rejoice ye righteous and shout for joy and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart. Now, I want you to notice that there are joys that we experience that comes from the presence of the Lord. And it's like something that swells from within us. We don't actually conjure it. We don't make it up. We don't pull it down. We don't turn on a switch. But in this emphasis here, it is a command to the elect of God for them to actually shout for joy. They are not shouting, if you notice it. David does not say shout with joy. So you have great joy and you're just shouting because you have such joy. But here he's saying, shout for it. Praise the Lord. Shout for joy, all that are upright in heart. Psalms 51, 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Now here is one at one of his downtimes, one of his low times in life. Don't you appreciate men of God will just be honest and tell you they've been there like you have? oh, thank God for a man like David. Now, David is not saying that he's lost his walk with God. He's not lost his salvation. But he simply, Brother West, had lost the joy of it. And truly, we all know what that is like, I'm sure. Because we're dealing in such a sad, depressive time. You can see it everywhere. It's on the people of the world. They don't know what to do anymore. I read today where they had just completed a great study in Israel, one of the largest medical places there. And they were talking about how many nurses and doctors and orange and whatever they call them there how many of them had started smoking during the time of the COVID to try to cope with all the stress and they were saying that because of all the stress and the anxiety that it will take society years years to be able to recover from all the things that humanity has been through and I'm sure you read it today as I did and someone from the church here had sent it to me also that now they're saying all all the lockdowns and all the shutdowns that the government put us through, and all the things that they told us we've got to do to save human lives, and now they find it determined with all of their data that it was what, 0.2%? That it actually made such a difference? You gotta be kidding me. It wasn't worth that to miss one chorus of a song, much less having to dismiss church and having to do this. Well, come on, saints. So what is it? That's the way man is. Man, that science, oh my, so much sadness and gloom. And let's just be honest tonight, that we have been affected just like the world, not in the same degree, thank God, but we feel it for others. You can see it everywhere you go, that people don't know what the answer is, they're looking at Ukraine, they're concerned about Russia, they're concerned about this and that and the other, and I think we ought to be concerned about it, surely. But if we allow these things to dictate how much joy we'll have, I want to tell you tonight, we will never have another happy day. Because Satan will see to it that our joy will be gone. Why? Because your joy is your strength. Well, if that is the truth, and we believe it is the truth, then the devil will do everything in his power to rob us of our joy, and then what are we? We are long-faced, sad, beat-down Christians, and I'm gonna tell you one thing. It's really sad when you see somebody out here in the world that's sad, but what's even more sad than a sadder lost man is a sadder saved man. Because when they get down, they really get down. A lost man goes lights him up a cigarette or a joint of marijuana, or he buys him a pill somewhere on the street, or he stops down at the local gas station and pops him a little bunch of liquor, and he's able to feel better for a little while anyway. But a Christian don't do no popping of them pills, he don't drink no liquor, he don't smoke no joint. Come on now, that's exactly right. But whenever he feels disconnected from his fountain of joy, he is one low down creature on this earth, or she is one sad person on this earth. Oh my. Notice, so David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Now notice this also in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. God, don't you notice where the source of their joy come from? It doesn't say, you know, all the taxes was paid and- All the bills is good. Wasn't nobody sick in the house. Nobody wasn't arguing. Nobody had a fever. Nobody had a temperature. Um, Nobody had COVID. Everybody tested negative and they were all out of quarantine. They had plenty of groceries, plenty of, you know, everything, everything was going great. That was not why they rejoiced. But they rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives, now listen, who is doing it? Not just the men in the church. The wives also and the children rejoice, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. Amen. So the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. Wow, wasn't that a Holy Ghost meeting? My, my. Notice Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. With joy ye will draw water, all oh my, out of the wells of salvation. Isaiah 61, three. To appoint unto them. Now remember this is a messianic prophecy talking about the coming of the Lord and brought to Israel of course as well, but mainly speaking about the coming of the Lord Jesus. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty four ashes. Now you remember several years ago when Brother Doug Baker and them and their church caught on fire and Brother Darrell and I was going out for a meeting there and uh, my it, it was just absolutely devastating because the day we were getting there, the day it was supposed to start the service was whenever the building caught on fire. So they had to rent a convention center downtown Tucson it was just it was just so upsetting for those poor saints of God. But the Lord gave me this scripture and I sent this scripture to Brother Doug and he used this scripture as a theme for the meetings. Now they had a pretty place to worship but you know what the Lord done? The Lord even made it nicer. That's right. Now you know you see that as a natural, but look at it as a spiritual, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. Now to us this might seem very peculiar, but this is what they would do whenever they were in a time of mourning. Whenever they were having fashion. Remember Esther, whenever she called for a fast, and she would put on unpleasant garments, they would wear rough clothes. Job, remember what he done? And he clothed in sackcloth and ashes. So the clothes they had on had an identity of their mood or of their spirit. So when you saw a man sitting there in real rough woven garments, and they didn't want them to be comfortable. They wanted them to be real sticky and real uncomfortable. It was a sign of their spirit. Their spirit was not pleasant. Their spirit was not happy. So they would put on clothes, you know, kind of like a grouchy person. And their clothes is kind of grouch bags. You know, they're just grouchy, and they want everybody to know they're in a bad mood and everybody knows it too. Well, you know, they might as well, their clothes are made out of cactus or something like that, you know, in the natural sense. And that's the way they appear, right? Because they bite your head, off. they're mad about this and mad about that. Well, this is what what Isaiah was prophesying about, that what the Lord is going to do is trade the garments of those that have on sackcloth and ashes, and they would take the ashes from a fire, and they would rub it all over their hair. They would put it right in their hair, and then they would sit there, some of them would take the ashes and put it on their face and rub it in their faces and then they would mourn. You can imagine what a mess they were. So the ashes would be in their face and then they would start crying and the tears mixed with the ashes and it would run down their face. That was a total chaos. But this is what God said that he would do. God said, oh my, to give them beauty for ashes. So I will take away all of the ashes. I will take away the sadness of your countenance and your appearance. And I will make you beautiful. The oil of joy for mourning. Now, of course, we know that it was a custom then, even the days of the Lord Jesus, that they would walk this arid, hot, dry country. And whenever they would come in, you'd invite somebody to your house to eat and you would wash their feet and you would give them a clean robe. And then you would have someone there that would anoint them. Now, their skin was real dry and it was perfumed oil. So it had a real pleasant smell to it. And they would anoint your face because you've been out on the sun and they would anoint your hands apart that were exposed. And that oil, it was an aromatherapy basically. And it had a real pleasant smell. And then all through this place, this room, everybody smelled delight. Oh my. Everybody was just all anointed. And what was it? It was a sign. The oil was a sign of gladness. Remember the David went on to say, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it's like the oil that run down Aaron's beard. So they anointed him and it run on down it was a signification of the presence of God so God said I will take your parched dried skin and I will anoint and I will make your skin pliable I will make you I'll take the most stickers out of your attitude I'll, I'll pull them burrs out from under your saddle as it were amen the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise. Don't you understand this is what a song leader tries to do to y'all every service? They try to come in You're and oh my, they'll start up the music and they can feel part of you's with them, part of you ain't, part of you's still at Walmart, part of you's still thinking that you left your curling on on, on at home. Hopefully it's your sisters thinking that and not your brothers and you're wondering did you turn the beans off and oh my goodness I forgot this and I didn't do that and your mind is here and there and there and you're loaded down with this and that and the other and they're trying to sing. What are they doing? Making mirth. Making something a pleasant sound that will help help you to change that garment of heaven as you come in and you're so sad and you're so despondent and you just don't listen be honest. Sometimes we just don't feel like clapping our hands. Y'all ever been that way? I've been to church. I did feel like clapping my hands. I didn't feel like worshiping the Lord. I didn't feel like saying nothing. but you know what? I've learned a long time ago. That's when I do it my hardest. Oh, it don't take much for me anyhow. But whenever it is, I feel the anointing, brother. I'm one of the loudest ones in the church, and you know that. I ain't doing it to be heard or to be seen. It's just the way I worship the Lord. But I try my hardest not when the anointing is there. I don't try my hardest when I feel it all over me. I try it my hardest when I feel as dead as a rock. When I feel like there ain't nothing moving, there ain't nothing going on, that's when Brother Donnie's going to praise the Lord the most. That's when I want to put forth the most effort. I have never seen it fail. in all my decades of serving the Lord Jesus, that when I put forth the effort and I didn't feel like, he would always bless me for my effort. But a lot of times we wait for him to change our garment, but it may be you putting forth the effort that tells him, I'm ready to change clothes, Lord. I'm ready to change clothes. Well, how am I gonna tell him, Brother Donnie? Praise him when you don't feel like it. Clap your hands when you don't feel like it. Thank God when you don't feel like it. Oh my, I know it's tough to do. But notice God said the oil of joy for mourning, he will anoint us. And then the garment of praise for the spirit. What a, what a beautiful parallel. The garment of praise. So how in the world can you keep from praising God when your clothes are praised? How can you keep from worshiping God when your clothes are friend. That's what's wrong with some of our message folks. They just do praise when they're told to. You know, they just do it. But if you wear these garments, you can praise the Lord in Walmart. Yes, you can praise God in the midst of trials and tests. Eric and I was sitting talking today and she was just thanking the Lord for helping her with this and thanking the Lord. I thought, my goodness, here she is. She's been through all this stuff in the last several weeks. Oh my. And able to praise God right in the Midst of trial, sure. Why, when we put on the garment of praise, then no matter what's going on out here, that don't affect my clothes. Come on saints, I might walk by a hog pen after church tonight, but that don't mean I'm a hog because I dressed up come to church. I took a shower, I shaved, I cleaned up whether I needed to or not. I went ahead and done it for your sake and I put on a clean shirt and a clean pair of breeches and I've come here tonight, what do I look like? Do I look like I'm a hog man? Do I look like I've come out from under, slid out from under a car, a grease monkey? Nope, I look like a preacher tonight. Is that right? I look like that. Well, you to come through them doors looking like a child of God. Not only through them doors, you need to go through your door to house looking like, acting like, talking like a child of God. But Brother Donner, the devil's hit me. That's the hardest time of my life. I don't know if I can praise him. Oh yeah, you can. If you got these clothes on, you can praise him when you're down. You can praise him when you're up. You can praise him when you're sick. Hallelujah. When all hell is raging against you. Why? Because it's your garment that's who you are oh my notice what this does to you the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees ah trees I see what kind of trees trees of righteousness Bride trees. (laughs) Trees, isn't it amazing? God calling humans trees. Don't you understand? The bride tree, oh glory. The bride tree is being manifested in this hour we're living. This is why Satan is howling. This is why he's hitting us with everything he can. He still ain't getting my garment of praise. He still ain't getting it, Brother Dale, because it is mine, it is mine. The Lord Jesus died that I could trade my old spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise. Praise God, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. That's you, trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Oh my, notice this in Habakkuk, chapter three, verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God God. Of my salvation, are you are you noticing something here? They're not mentioning nothing about circumstances around them. They're not saying when well, my bills is all paid, I'll joy in the God of my salvation. When I'm healthy, my kids is all healthy. We're all doing good. Now, if you'll notice, the focal point is all based on the Lord and His work. Yes, sir. This one right here is absolutely astounding. Zephaniah three seventeen. Zephaniah the prophet was the great, great grandson of King Hezekiah. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Well, glory. That word mighty is the word gabor. It means the prevailing one, the all-conquering hero. And it just so happens the name which was given to our Lord Jesus, I'm not sure if you know this, in Isaiah 9 and 6, his name shall be called El Gabor, the mighty God, El Gabor, the prevailing almighty God, the champion of his church. Now remember, oh my, we looked at it several, several weeks ago when David was called out into the, into the valley there of Elah. And whenever the champion of the Philistines was called out, he was the biggest one among them. Big old feet, big old eyes, big old self-centered attitude. And here come the champion of God. <laughs> amen a little curly heady looking shrimp a little mama looking boy had five smooth stones in his pocket come down with a little slingshot in his hand look at the devil's champion and look at God's oh glory to God you say he sure was outnumbered I agree we see Goliath sure was Oh, you say, I was talking about David. You're talking about the wrong one. It wasn't even a fair fight. Well, glory to God. It wasn't even a fair fight. Let me tell you something, friend. Oh, by the prophet of God said, when the weakest Christian gets down on their knees to pray, you're talking about making the devil tremble. You talking about making the devil shut up. I read it to you several weeks ago. Then he said, faith has hair on his chest. And when faith speaks, cancer shuts up. The tumor shuts up. Your depression can shut up. Why? Because it is the hero of God, not me, not you, but the Lord Jesus, our El Gabor. He is greater than our sorrow. He is greater than our sadness. He is greater than our sickness. He's greater than the modern age of Laodicea. He's greater than, oh hallelujah to God. He's greater than every devil out of hell. He he is our champion. We're not rallying around a man tonight. We're rallying around our champion, the Lord Jesus. Oh, glory. Glory. The Lord thy God in the midst of is mighty. He will save. But listen to what he will do. He will rejoice over thee with joy. The El Gabor rejoices over us. The mighty one, the champion, and what makes him happy is us. (laughs) <laughs> he will rejoice over thee with joy he will rest in his love he will joy over thee with singing God don't know any Disney songs God don't know any country music God don't know rock and roll, R&B, jazz, blues, on and on and on, you can go. He just knows love songs. And what makes him, what makes him so happy? I hope you understand. When he come to the earth, he picked up this oh, tremendous feeling of human happiness. Deity knew divine happiness. Deity knew divine exuberance, but he never knew it humanly until he come to the earth and he got human happiness. He got human joy. He got hum- oh my he got human feelings that he never had before when he was in the form of the eternal. But here now he rejoices and he sings. Over us. And he actually goes to feeling fluttering as we'd say in his heart. Amen. Your brothers remember how I was whenever you met that love of your life and boy you just fell in love with her and you start having funny feelings in your stomach and funny feelings in your heart. And then you got all lightheaded and your mama said you got the flu, boy. Amen. But she started feeling something. Could you imagine the Lord God? And the angels hearing me say Whoa oh, my little mine. I love you, my darling Both day and night You're my everything I slid on your finger that ring I ordained you, my darling Oh, yes I did And the angels say, he's pining for tonight. Oh, Oh, glory to God. After a while, I'm going to go home. I'll get me a little something to eat and change my wet clothes. And I'll sit there at the table. And I'll be sitting there by myself. And about 11 o'clock or 11.30 or whatever time, I'll go in and turn down the bed. And I'll lay there and pray and talk to the Lord. And I'll lay there and lay there. But I can tell you already, I'm going to be pining for somebody. You know why, because my sweetheart's gonna be spending the night at the hospital. My bed is the same as it was last night, same mattress, same, you know, all that sort of thing, but somebody ain't there that's supposed to be there. Oh, can you imagine that longing that we feel for one another? Oh, and the almighty God said, I'm gonna let y'all let out a secret. This is what I sing about. God don't sing the blues. That's right. Hallelujah. He sings songs of joy. Amen. Oh, he loves to sing over his bride. The Lord God, God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice. Can you imagine the Lord God rejoicing with joy over us? Wow. He will rest. And his love, he will joy over thee with singing. Praise God. I'll be glad when the angels give him the new key and he starts singing this song. Come away, my love. Oh, glory to God. Come away, my love. How I've waited for this day. I could give to you my new name. Eternity awaits us. Come away, my love. Come away, my darling. They'll know what kind of mood he's in because he changed songs. (laughs) Hallelujah. They'll know it's rapture mood time. It's rapture morning time. Why, he's singing a song like he ain't never sung before. He's rejoicing, why? Because the dead will be raised out of the grave. The sixth dimension will be emptied out and the saints of God on the earth are experiencing body changes on every continent of the earth. Hallelujah, why, he is singing over us the wedding song, the going away song. He shows how delighted he is in his redeemed and his chosen, so he sings songs about her. Imagine the angel said, well, he's, he's on one today, ain't he? You must be missing her so bad. He's singing about how he loved her before the foundation of the world, he's singing about how she's gonna make it through this hard time. Oh, don't you wish sometimes you could hear that song he's singing about you. He's telling the angels how faithful you are. He's telling the angels how true you are. Oh, you, you can't hear it always. I don't hear it either. Oh, but we're making him so happy. How happy we're making our bridegroom when it seems like all hell is breaking loose all around us and things is going bad and nothing seems like it's going well. And he looks at the integrity of our heart and said, he's faithful. She's faithful. He says, I believe I'll sing a tune. Oh, look at my son and my daughter, how faithful they are to me. I called and I chose them from the beginning of time, back for eternity. There's nobody like them, there's no, not one. The elect, they come from my heart. The chosen, the redeemed, the elected of God, they are part of my heart. The angels said, God, I don't know if you understand it or not, but God is a great romantic. <laughs> and what gets him? What gets him? Remember the song of Solomon, how we looked at it for several years. What God him? He said, turn your eyes away from me. What if your eyes caught me? What is it that gets him? Not the universe, not the stars. You. You. I hope you understand. I'll have to preach to you sometime. For the love of a woman, Adam forsook everything that he had. For the love of a woman, Jacob worked 14 years. For the love of a woman, Samson sold out. For the love of a woman, on and on and on we could go, but let's fast forward. For the love of a woman, God left heaven. For the love of a woman, he bore our sins. For the love of a woman, he went down to the grave. For the love of a woman, he raised himself up. For the love of a woman, he come back on the day of Pentecost. For the love of a woman, he sent a prophet in the first church age. For the love of a woman, he sent a looser of Wesley and a Pentecost. For the love of a woman, he sent Elijah. Amen. For the love of a woman, he sent a ministry, that they could preach the truth to his sweetheart, whip her when they're wrong, encourage them when they're down, and try to lift them with joy when they need it. All for the love of a woman. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Oh. Don't you remember in the Old Testament that he called him Hepsibah. Hepzibah. You are my Hepzibah, you were forsaken but you're not now. And he also calls her Beulah, what's Beulah mean? Married, I was married Boy, my first husband, he was an outfit. He was a piece of work, wasn't he? Come on, you know the one I'm talking about because every one of us is married to the same first husband. He hated me. We fought and we fought, fussed and fought like cats and dogs. He despised me, I despised him. We, we never did get along, we never did love one another. My adulterous parent Eve sold me out to that marriage and it was a shotgun wedding. I was talked into it and I didn't have no choice. We fussed and we fought now I thought if I can ever get out of here I'm gonna get out of here. But one day a Romeo come riding through on a white horse to reveal word of the hour. He wouldn't flirt with me now until I got released from the marriage of that old husband. He wouldn't flirt he wouldn't make no eyes with me. But he first began to be my judge, you know, kind of convict me for doing this wrong and that wrong. And then whenever he got me up to the altar and he let me by my will say, I want out of this marriage. I want out of this marriage. He said, I can't marry you now, darling, as long as you got a living husband. But if you'll let that old husband die, now you've got to kill him. I'm willing, Lord. I'm willing. Let him die. Let him die. Oh, hallelujah. And that was the words Jesus was wanting to hear. And whenever those words come out of my mouth and that old husband was dead, then the the Lord Jesus started putting his eye on me and he started winking at me and he started giving me whispering secrets into my ear and guess what happened to me? I got married, but it wasn't the same person I was because I become a new creature in Christ Jesus. He couldn't marry that old sinful nature. My seed never was married to that old man. My seed gene was never married, hallelujah! But he quickened my seed and I finally got married to the right man, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, I'm Beulah Land. Oh, you thought Beulah Land was just a place you're going to. It's actually you going to the place. Psalms 103 verse 11, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy, praise God. Toward them that fear him, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Isaiah 62, five, as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. As the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so thy God shall rejoice over thee. (laughs) It stumbles people whenever they hear Brother Bram say it. And he said, you come to the house of God and you're part of the family of God. And there we gather together to be worshiped. Together. <laughs> Some of y'all looking at me funny. And you say, why does that bother people? Because they don't understand worship. Amen. You know, part of the old English vow whenever folks used to get married, I married a couple here at the church actually that wanted me to, to say those same vows. It's, it's, it's you know, 150 years old, something like that. Most people take it out anymore. But it, it says, with thee, with my body, I thee worship. With my body, I thee worship. Then the bride turns back around and says, with my body, I thee worship. And people say, oh, you mean we're bound down? God's bound down to us, of course not. That's why people don't understand how they can worship a car or worship a job. They don't ever bow down and pray to it, but they give it their love, their allegiance. Come on now, don't you understand that the Lord God has made you a part of himself? Hallelujah, and he turns back, and with his body, he blesses us. Look at the Song of Solomon, read it again. What's he doing? He's bringing his bride into his court. Oh, glory, rejoicing over her beauty. He looks at her, and he sees not a fault, not a flaw from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Why, she is the work of her Lord. She looks at herself and thinks, ugh, oh, really? But he looks and says, oh, oh, I can't take it. Whew, I gotta look away. She is so magnificent. She is so tremendous. She is so overwhelming. And she's looking around and saying, who's in this room besides me? He can't be talking about me. He's talking about you the way he sees you, not the way you see yourself, not the way I see you, not the way you see me, but the way he sees. That's what he rejoices over. He rejoices over his incarnated work in you. Don't let this old flesh get you down. It's only temporary. Can I have a few more minutes? Yes, sir. Notice this in St. John 15, 11. These things have I spoken unto you. That my joy, now here we move into another type of joy now. This is not your joy or my joy, but my joy, the joy of the Lord Jesus, might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So I've spoken these things so that my joy come into you. And when my joy comes into you, that makes a way for you to experience your joy in a fullness that you've never known before. Praise be to God. I need more, Lord. Our joy in Christ actually comes from His joy in us can't you see why satan wants us to focus only on our joy well things are good you know things good how's work good 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 well how's school good 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 how you doing i'm doing good how's church everything's good oh praise god and you watch them same people and they go through a trial instead of sitting here they're back there and then further it gets on back there. And if there's 37 pews back, that'd be on pew number 37. Why? Because they're basing it all on their joy. Things ain't going good at work. I'm like, oh no, oh no. How's the job? Oh, it's awful. It's I'm just so depressed. I'm just so sad. Why? You need to break into another wellspring that will feed your joy. His joy is the wellspring that feeds our joy. Our joy will run out. I don't mind telling you, friend. In the last couple of years, some of the things we've been through, I felt like my joy's been totally depleted. I felt like I've been the Sahara Desert. Anybody else in here? Be honest with me. I felt like my joy I ain't had none Well, I know what if you kept going, Brother Donnie, because when mine runs out to the Sahara, ah. You see, I just saw a little video just a few weeks ago on the National Geographic about what they found recently in the Sahara. Skeletons of whales. Skeletons of of all these types of aquatic creatures. Great lake, the bed of the lake in the Sahara Desert, the largest desert on the earth. And, And yet these gigantic aquifers that are still there under the Sahara. And they go in and pump them out with gigantic pumps. And they're starting to turn part of the Sahara into a great place to grow all types of food out of the middle of a desert. But they've gotta go down to where the joy is and then pump the joy up on top of the earth and then they plant the seed and then the joy from way down waters the seed and they got crops. Oh, hallelujah. But our joy ain't but about that deep. Oh, glory to God, it's easy to get all fired up and all stirred up. Man, we get a check in the mail, hallelujah, glory to God. We get a bill tomorrow twice as big as the check was yesterday. You need to dig a little deeper in the well, brother. Dig a little deeper in the well. It may take you a while, but if you can ever hit that aquifer, you'll go down in there so deep, my, when the checks come, if they don't come, and rain comes, or snow comes. Oh, brother, y'all got up today with such anticipation. I was hoping the groundhog wouldn't see a shadow, but he did, it wouldn't have made no difference whether he did or didn't. They could have used a blind groundhog. Spring's gonna get here, and when it's gonna get here. Don't put your confidence in Phil, not this one. Don't put your confidence in an old groundhog named Phil, but have your joy the Lord. Hallelujah. Whether the groundhog sees his shadow or not, that don't make no difference. I'm redeemed. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, let me close with this one. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain It won't come and go. Mine does. Yours, Brother Darrell? My joy does. To be honest, there's things that make me happy, there's things that make me sad. But Jesus said if you can tap into my aquifer, then when yours is up and down like a roller coaster, mine is just as steady as it can be. My joy will remain when yours is gone. that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. Or the word there is to be complete. And the metaphor here, this when I found in this, looking it up in the dictionary, the metaphor of this word is taken from a vessel, which water or any other thing is poured into it until it is full to the brim. Y'all ever get these water bottles today and they're making them bottles just about so thin. You think if they get them thinner, I'm not sure how they're even going to hold the water. And they put them cap on it. I don't know who in the world puts them caps on and you're trying your best to get that thing off and that bottle is so flimsy. When you do get it off, it goes all over you. Or you put it up to your lips and you get re-baptized again. So what has it done? It totally overflowed you. That ain't too pleasant, is it? Well, I don't like it. Maybe you do. But here the metaphor is that God said, I want your joy. I don't want it to be a third of the way. I don't want it to be half the way. I want it to be pump up to the top of the brim. I want it to be, David said, my cup is running over. Like the author of the song said, my cup is full, so full, I'm drinking from my saucer. My cup is so full that my cup is running over. I've got such joy and peace. Well, is everything going good? No, as a matter of fact, it ain't never been worse in my life. Oh, I've got so much peace and passes, understanding. Oh, I guess everything is going good for you, huh? No, it ain't. I got a wife sick. I got two girls sick. I got church folks sick. I got all kinds of things going on, but I've got more peace in the Lord Jesus than I've ever had in my entire life. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Why? Because I'm not basing it on what I see. I'm not basing it on what the doctor said. I'm basing it upon what my God said. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's get into the Spirit, friends. The world is in the spirit of hatred and destruction. It's unbelievable, our nation, unbelievable. I was reading today of a doctor that has worked over 21,000 cases of COVID. He worked in, in an ER, in one of the largest hospitals in the United States. And he said, COVID has been horrible. He said, but I'll tell you what's even more horrible. Our nation is plagued with crime. And he said, I've treated over 21,000 people. He said, but I'm treating people with worse conditions that their throats cut, their eyes are poked out, shot, this and that and the other. Don't you understand? It's one of the signs of the end time, violence. And we've got these governors and these people that are turning people loose. Turning them loose, turning them right back on the street. They just caught five Syrians last week trying to cross our southern border you thinking they're coming to sell marshmallows on the streets? You think they're coming here to bring peace? They're coming here to bring bombs and whatever more. That's what they're doing. And our government approves of it. You've read it as well as I have, where they're flying these immigrants from one city to another under the cover of darkness, and they've had videos to prove it, and they're telling the people to be quiet about it. Don't you see it coming from our very top on down? There's nothing to be able to have too much joy about in this world. I'm so glad. My hope. Is in Jesus. Oh, praise God! Praise God! How many needs to dig a little deeper in the aquifer of the joy of the Lord Jesus? Praise God! Oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your Word. Thank you for your presence. Oh, Jesus. We have experienced such sadness and sorrow. Lord, we've had so many in our church to pass. We don't believe it's by accident, no. You just so happened to plan many of their departures in this particular season of COVID. But if it hadn't been that, it would have been something else. It was our time to come home. But yet, Lord, it's left us behind feeling so empty, sums off mothers, fathers, husbands, wives. Lord, and we can feel it all around us, the sadness, the gloom that's on our nation, our world. Or just me sharing those examples of just being kind and nice to people and how strange people react. When there was a day in our nation founded on the principles of God, that was part of who we were, not anymore. Oh, Lord God, there's more tolerance for the darkness and the wickedness than there is righteousness and truth. And before long, this place will become so unfit. As I tell Erica today, I said, Today, honey, only brought us one day closer to being more unfit to live in this world. And one day, the Lord Jesus will look at it and say, The cup is full. I cannot stand for my sweetheart to live there another day. Hasten that day, Lord Jesus. But until that day comes, we don't want to go around, Lord, so sad, so depleted. How can I stand before you that day and my life be such a token of sadness and sorrow and and face this scripture? And if you ask me this scripture, Donnie, did my joy Did my joy fulfill itself in you? Lord, what good would it do if I could say, Lord, I cast out devils in your name. Lord, I lay hands on a bunch of people and they got well. Lord, I'm telling you what, I've done this and I've done that. But what about my joy, darling? I don't want to fail one word, Lord. I'm not talking about foolishness. I'm not talking about bubble dancing. I'm not even talking about emotions. We love emotions. But emotions come and go. I'm talking about something that keeps us when we feel nothing. When we pray, we feel nothing. We may go to church and feel nothing, but yet we are so happy that we are saved. We are so grateful. We know Jesus. Praise God. And the devil thought to kill us, huh, but it backfired like dynamite on him. He thought he'd get us, but we wouldn't save yesterday. Praise God. Lord, help us, Father. We ask you to forgive us. Lord God, if our face hasn't reflected what our soul professes, forgive us. Help us, dear God, that we will not put on and we will not act, but we can have joy in the midst of trouble, Amen. in the midst of trials, in the midst of test, when we feel like crying, but instead we praise we feel like bawling. We don't even feel like we've got enough joy to raise our hands, but instead of doing that, instead of using our energy, we're told that it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. Well, we're conserving energy when we smile. Hallelujah. And we're also confusing the devil, because he's think, what in the world's a medicine, people? What kind of pill are they taking? We're taking the gospel, devil. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. We've tapped into that aquifer that's deeper than our bank account. It's deeper than our feelings. It's deeper than our emotions. Praise God. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, we love you, Jesus. I'm convinced with all of my heart, Lord, an old sour-faced Christian is not a praying Christian is not a Christian that's really letting the joy of the Lord be there. You experienced joy. I hope they understand what I'm fixing to say. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that you went through what you went through. You endured the, the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before you. So you experienced a joy. You had so many things to be sad about but you tapped into that joy yourself. You tried it, you proved it, and you said it works. Amen. And you could tell your disciples even before your death, I'm gonna give you my joy, boys. Y'all are gonna have a lot of things to cry about. You're gonna have a lot of days to be sad about. You're gonna need my joy to help yours. I confess tonight, Lord Jesus, I need your joy to help mine. I pray for my sheep. Those that are present, those that are sick, those that couldn't come tonight for whatever reason, Lord, we need your joy. We need your joy, Father. Help us, I pray, Lord God. How many would just lift your hand up to the Lord? No one looking around now. Those of you in your home, wherever you're sitting up, streaming the service, Lord, I need you. I'm here in this deep, dark cave of trouble. Lord, I've got to be honest, I feel despondent, I feel sad. I don't know if I've got anything to be happy for. Lord, forgive me, I've looked at it wrong. You told us that you wanted us to have your joy, that your joy would be in us, so that's not dictated by things going good or things going bad. It's your joy. Help us, Jesus. Men, women, boys, girls, Father, I know from being friends with preachers around the world, these last two and a half years, going on three years, has been some of the most difficult times some of the ministers in this message have ever gone through. I had one to tell me the other day, he'd been so disappointed in how people were reacting during the time of COVID. People fussing, people fighting, people more afraid of that than they are to trust God's word. Just so many things pastors are experiencing. And Satan trying to use it to discourage them. Oh God, may ever man of God type into that aquifer of the joy of Jesus Christ. Help me, Lord God, as long as I've got strength and in my right mind, no matter what I'm bearing, no matter what I'm going through, help me to come to this pulpit, dear God, as a leader that can be able to lead these people in the midst of trouble. May I not lead them, Father, with a sad face. May I not lead them, dear God, out of despondency and despair, but may I lead them out of the joy of the Lord. Heavenly Father, may they hear it. This is not a false pretense. It's not a facade of something that's put on. How in the world can he do that? Well, they know it ain't me. It has to be you. Same with them. We call on you tonight, Lord God. Fulfill your word once again, would you, Jesus? We believe Mark 16. We believe these signs will follow them that believe. But you also said this. Lord God, fulfill this word in my life. I'll open my heart. I'll open my little tiny thimble of joy and say to you, would you plumb me tonight? Would you replumb me, Lord? Would you tie my main plumbing source down into that great aquifer of yours? So whether things are good or bad, whether things are going the way I think they should or I don't understand what's going on, the main supply is still pumping out the joy of the Lord. And from there, I get strength to keep on praying, strength to keep on studying, strength to keep on fighting. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. How many wants the great plumber to work on your plumbing tonight? Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Oh, great plumber, I, I don't want to discredit you by saying such, Lord, but you know what I'm saying, Lord God. Please bypass me. Please bypass my reasoning and my circumstantial evidence around me. Hook the main source up to your joy. Amen. Then, Lord, when I have that as my main source, I'll even surprise myself. I'll think, how in the world can I be happy in the middle of such hell? Well, it's because my plumber changed the pipes. Hallelujah, he's not, he's not got the main supply coming from a little bitty old thimble which, which holds a few ounces, but he tapped into that great aquifer of eternal life. Praise God in this prayer in St. John. Oh, praise the Lord that your joy could be in us. That is your word. Lord, so what if we believe Malachi 4 and Luke 17 and Revelation 10? We believe the seals and we believe all of that and we don't believe this scripture. And we think, well, this one ain't important. It must have been important. You said it yourself. I don't want to just blame Malachi 4. I want St. John 15. I want this scripture to be plumbed in my life. Oh, I have had it, Lord. Oh, yes, I have. It's been you that's kept me all these years. I know it. But I believe you want to change the pipe a little bit tonight. Maybe I've had about a three-quarter inch, and you say, you know what, Donnie? You've been going through a whole lot. Let me take that three-quarter out and put about a six-incher in there. Praise God. Open that floodgate, Lord God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Oh, grant it, Father. Thank you, Lord. Can we stand here for just a minute? And just, let's just take a quick plumbing job. Now, you know how plumbers are. You call them and say, hey, I've got a leak. I've got, well, I'll get to you next week. Some of you might not be able to make it to next week. You might need a repair job tonight. Oh, you don't need a lavatory replaced. You don't need a hot water fix, but you need your main supply line replaced. That little bitty old t ninety thing that you've got Replaced with the grace of God, Amen. tapped into the very joy from the heart of the Lord Jesus. Look at this aquifer, as He's standing before you tonight, the Lord Jesus, not me now, but the Lord Jesus. And Brother Jeremy, it's tied right to Him, and He wants to plumb it straight to your life. And even when things is going crazy, you say, "God, I can't take it no more." Oh, Hallelujah! But you find that the Holy Ghost just opens up that valve and just. Praise God. Where did that come from? I didn't even think I had that. You didn't have it. The plumber replumbed you. Praise God. Oh, Jesus. Would you plumb me right here tonight, Father? Lord, I, I, I don't believe you just sent this for me. I believe, Lord God, there's people here. No doubt people from around the world will hear it, and they'll be raising their hands in Africa and New Zealand. Lord God, even, even up in Iceland, or they play our services up there in Australia. and Lord, wherever it is around the world, no doubt there'll be little saints of God that'll be raising their hands and crying for the great plumber to replumb their source. Amen. Hallelujah, to change the supply line. Oh God, we don't want to displease you. We want to be the kind of people that you can sing over us. Hallelujah, we want to bring you such joy that when you watch and you behold us through trials, we emanate so your faith that it makes you sing. It makes you so happy that you sing songs of victory. Praise be to God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the Lord. Oh, how many loves him tonight with all your heart? Can you sing something for us there? Whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, my Al my champion, my great warrior. There is
1: none
0: like you. Well, let's take a few minutes now. I know your kids got school tomorrow and you got to work, but let's take a few minutes before we go look in your difficult life and see if you ain't got something to praise him about oh, something to Prince worship him for tonight Prince of, of Prince. Peace Lord from our hearts
1: That this, is what, this is what I we
0: want this is what we long
1: to, to do, do. Well, hallelujah everybody now I give
0: him for then you've got to be sent for my he saved you he redeemed you he girl, called you
1: he made you his own there is, is none life
0: By your name Lord God We bless you tonight Lord Jesus With we our worship. hands
1: raised This is how I fight my battle Thank you Lord God I praise your name Glory This is how I fight my battle Oh yes Lord This is how I fight my battle I worship the King. This is how I find my battles. Mm-hmm. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And this is how I'll fight my battles. Mm. With my hands raised, I fight my battles. I will praise his name. This is how I'll fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Mm -hmm. This is how I fight my battles. I praise You in the battle. I praise You in the storm. Oh, and this is how I fight my battles. I praise his name this is how I fight my battles I worship you Lord it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you oh it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by You. This is how i fight my battle. Mm-hmm. This is how i fight my battles. I will praise You, Lord. My battles. This is how I find my battle. Mm -hmm. This is how I find my battle. Mm -hmm. Praise him. Praise him. Him in the morning, raise him in the noontime. Raise, oh, raise him, praise oh,
0: him,
1: praise him, praise him. Raise him when the sun. Oh,
0: Sometimes we hear sermons of such grace. Sometimes sermons of mystery. Sometimes sermons of thunders, of seals, of great revelation. And then sometimes we hear the heart of a father that sends sermons of pity upon his people. Because you pity your children as a father. What pity is. So you don't scold us. You don't shame us. But you'll anoint a man to preach a sermon of pity. That will let us know that you're giving us pity and love. We are so grateful for those times. We love you tonight, Father. Praise the Lord. Don't you love Him, saints? Last week. Brother Ron Spencer on Wednesday had one scan after another after another. The doctor that was going to do the scans had never seen Brother Ron, but this woman doctor had looked at all of his reports and looked at him and studying him before he got there to do the scans. Whenever Brother Ron walks in, this doctor was so shocked. She said, I thought I was going to see a person in a wheelchair. I never expected you to be walking. That's our God. He met with the uh, person that's working on the prescription for his chemo that he's taking. But, you know, God does things in such strange ways, such strange ways. And they're, they're going to extend his, his chemo that he has to take. And the pharmacist told him, he said, you are a miracle to be taking this medicine as long as you've taken it the highest dose that can be given to a human being and taking it for over two years and extending it to take it on. And the the pharmacist just this week told him, you are a miracle to be living this long, to even take this medicine. Isn't it amazing that God does this miracle and that miracle? And you think, in one way, all he'd have to do is just move beyond that just a little bit and say, let it be gone, and it would be gone. So he must have a reason. He must have a reason. Sometimes he'll come and touch us. He could deliver us, but he don't. He leaves things, why? He knows what he's doing. Amen. So let's be encouraged. Amen. I'll never forget, Brother Doug McHughes, friend of mine out in Tucson. He was the one that Brother Branham, he'd seen the vision about his eyes and he cut to Brother Branham and he said, Brother Branham, does the Lord show you visions here? He said, yeah, Brother Doug, Brother McHughes, he does, but he said, usually I come to rest. He said, well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bother you. He said, no, you, you didn't bother me. And he said, then in a few minutes, the Lord showed a vision. He said, the reason you said that was, you've been going to a doctor. He looks like so-and-so, dressed so-and-so. And And he said, he told you, Mr. McHughes, I've doctored you these two years, I think it was. And he said, that that thing in your eye is gonna eat your eye out. I can't do anything else. But he said, thus saith the Lord, your eyes are healed. Before he told him that, he said, your mother, before you come out here, said, dark-headed woman. Said, I seen her with her feet up, and she said, son, if you see Brother Branham, tell him to pray for this. Said she rolled down her stock and she had little tumors hanging between her toes. He said, Lord have mercy, it's the truth. That was the same day and a little while later, the angel of the Lord come down and cut the tops of the trees out. After that happened, Brother Branham told Brother Doug, come up to him and told him, you've got a stomach trouble. It'll bother you the rest of your life. I preached for him, we went to Africa together, Everywhere he went, he had a Tums in his pocket. Now, when you get that figured out, please send me the answer to my email address. He's saying, why would God do that? Well, really, it's not that complicated. Where did God allow Paul to have a thorn? What? Say it. Go ahead. In the flesh. The thorn wasn't in the soul, Right. It was in the flesh. Why? He needed to feel something in the flesh to remind him. When you look at it, friends, his plan is perfect. We look at it. We try to figure out by human love. You know, you say, you look at your kids. Oh, God, I'd never let my kids do that. How come you let yours do that? Because he's smarter than you. He knows what he's doing. We don't. Thank God for his mercy. Don't you appreciate him? God bless you, saints. See you, Lord willing, Sunday. Sing something for us, Harry, as we get ready to go. God bless you. So love and appreciate you. Pray for one another. Love one another. Thank you for all your kindness to us. May God bless you. Shake hands with somebody if you feel comfortable in doing so. If you germatize before you come in, or <laughs> tell them you love and been good to see him in the house of the Lord. God bless you. We'll pray.
1: Praise
0: praise oh, we're gonna we'll praise,
1: him. praise him.
0: We're gonna we'll praise, him, praise him, him in
1: the, the morning. morning. Praise him in In the the noontime. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him when the sun goes down. It's joy unspeakable and full. Half has never yet been told. But well, sometimes I feel like heaven comes down. Sometimes I feel like heaven comes down. Sometimes I feel like heaven comes down. Heaven comes down on me. Then I wanna praise Him, praise Him, praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the noontime, praise Him or oh, praise Him, praise Him when the sun goes down.